Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of the show. I'm so excited to be here with you today, especially because my guest today is somebody that I have been trying to get on my show since its inception. She is a a dear, dear, long friend, longtime friend, and a, a loyal listener of the show. And she's finally agreed to be on the show. And I am excited because when we talk, we just have so much fun together. Her name is Kendra Lee. She's, oh God, I'm trying to think. I think we've known each other at least 10, 15 years. Um, she is what I would call the leader, the expert, the guru in prospect attraction. You know, we're not just talking about sales. We're talking about being a sales magnet and bringing customers to you. But beyond that, she's just this incredible entrepreneur and friend who balances her life like nobody I've ever seen. She balances the work. She balances her family. She balances her personal goals with her business goals. So I'm excited to have um, my dear friend Kendra Lee on the show. Kendra, thanks for being here. Well, Laura, I am very excited as well to be here. So thank you for having me. I I have a question. Are you going to listen to your show on the podcast later on? (laughs) I probably will. I can listen and see, oh, that's what I actually said. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny because, you know, you are um, a renowned speaker. You do keynotes all over the place at some of the largest corporations and and yet we both have this philosophy of speaking that, yeah, we may script something, but that's not necessarily the way it's going to go. Exactly. I look at it as improv, and we have to go both where the conversation takes us and where the audience takes us. Yeah, because they have a need, and we don't know what that need may be until we're there in that room. We can prep all we want, but something may come up. And that's what makes it fun. Yeah, that's what keeps us doing it over and over and over again, right? And it keeps them coming back because we're giving them something of value that they need at that point in time. Yeah, it's not the same thing over and over again. (laughs) That's right. Now, you know, when you and I first met at uh, a technology event, and I remember I was sitting in the front row, and I'm listening to you speak about selling. And it was like, and I've read like, every book I thought there was on how to sell, how to attract clients. Yet when you started talking, what I really realized was that sales is unique to the client and that you need to be listening with all of your senses whenever you're in a meeting with a client. How did you come to this whole idea? I mean, you started out as an accountant with IBM, not a company that's known for, um, you know, back back in the day, it wasn't really known for individuality and stuff. How did you come to this concept? I would say that it was through the clients that I worked with. You know, I learned in sales school a process for selling, but you have to be able to be flexible within that process if you truly want to meet the needs of clients. And for me, I was most interested in being able to 
both recognize where they were in their own businesses development and what they were what it was that they needed at that point in time and the only way you could do that is to really listen and then apply the sales process based on what their needs were so you're following the same process but still based on what it was that they needed at that point in time. And so it wasn't about pushing, I have to sell, you know, 20 of these systems to them or one big system to them. It was really listening to what they needed as part of the sales process and providing it to them. So I would say it was the clients that really taught me that. Is that where you developed your philosophy that sales is not an art? It can be learned? I did, and and if you know, you started and you said I was an accountant. I always love to start my speaking engagements to people saying, hey, I started my sales career in accounting because it shocks people. And, and until, I, until I started working with clients, I didn't really know how to sell. And I looked at it, and I, you know, I'm an accountant. I believe in process. I believe in listening to the client. And in that, I realized that you didn't have to be the star that had 10 closes that they could pull out or that you knew exactly what the objections were going to be and you would handle them a certain way or be a car salesman. I realized that if you truly cared about the clients, listened to what they needed, followed up, and then delivered on it, that's what made you successful. And that's not an art. That really is something that you can learn. You know, I know you say that it can be learned, yet um, you've seen me when I had my tech company go through how many salespeople. (laughs) (laughs) And, And these are supposedly people that know how to sell. Is there some reason why somebody can't learn selling? I don't know that there's a reason that they can't learn it. I think a lot of people have a fear of selling. They also have preconceived notions of what selling means. You know, they see it as the used car salesman type of approach. And so they feel like, oh, I can't do that. I could never do that. And actually, many of the clients that come to us, um, the first thing they will say is, I don't believe in pushing something at someone. And I, my response is always great because I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it's not right, then you shouldn't sell it to them. And I am absolutely known for telling people, this isn't right for you or you know, don't buy from us, go buy from these other people. That's what you should be doing. And they're floored by it. But if you're going to be successful in sales, you have to listen to what the person is telling you they need and then be willing to say we're not the right fit or here's how we can help you. And so a lot of times people don't realize that they can approach it that way. And, I, and it's like we have to give them permission that you don't have to be the used car salesman. Do you think the success or failure of 
the sales team is on the sales team itself or is it does it have anything to do with the management well i think it's both um you know i've seen great sales people who have failed at companies because of poor management or the culture of the organization and for all of your listeners we work with small or smaller companies um, not just the large companies that are out there and how you yourself as a business owner perceive sales absolutely can impact the success of your salesperson. Unfortunately, we see a lot of managers that set very high expectations for salespeople, but they themselves don't really understand how a salesperson could achieve that expectation. So I think it's important to be realistic and then support your salesperson in being successful. Um, So don't just set the expectation and walk away and then come back at the end of each month and say, hey, why didn't you make your number? It's, it's a team effort, and it's understanding if they're not being successful, what is going on that's causing them not to be successful. It's not always the salesperson's fault. I mean, there are absolutely times when the salesperson is not good, but it's not always their fault. I, I know a few... Um, entrepreneurs who have brought on salespeople and they've often done what you just talked about where they they bring a salesperson on they sort of tell them what the expectations are and then a couple months later they go well how come you haven't closed any clients how come you haven't sealed a deal I, I look at it and I go okay I've been there I've done that myself I just think they should know how to sell so how do you help somebody begin to do a mindset shift to understand that you have to not just tell them, but show them, I guess? That's a, yes, that's a great question. What's interesting is a lot of entrepreneurs that are hiring their first salesperson or they're trying again to hire their first salesperson. And again and again and again. And again and again. <laughs> They will say, oh, I didn't, um, I don't know anything about sales. So I'm just hiring this person and I expect them to put a sales process in place and I expect them to do all of our marketing tools and I expect them to sell. I just, they expect that this person is going to build their entire sales organization and they abdicate. So as a, an entrepreneur, when you're hiring your first salesperson, you don't abdicate it to the salesperson. I mean, in reality, you're hiring a salesperson who your goal is is that they will sell for you. It's not that they're going to build your sales organization. It's not that they're going to update your website. They're not going to create your marketing materials. They're supposed to go out and sell for you. So you still have a role in the way I always equate it so that business owners understand it is... Is we're going to hold that right for the commercial break. We're going to tease everybody. We'll be right back with more from Kendra Lee, founder of KLA Group, whose philosophy of sales is not an art. It can be learned. She's going to tell us a little bit more about that when we come back after our first commercial break. 
Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author, Laura Stewart. Okay, Kendra, so you teased us. Well, I made you tease everybody because of the commercial break because we're on iHeartRadio Live. Um, So you said don't abdicate to your salesperson. And then you were going to share something you tell everybody. Yes. Don't abdicate. What I say when you're thinking about sales is to think about what you do on the perform side of your business. So whatever you're doing on your delivery side, you would not just hire somebody who's going to consult for you or deliver your product for you. Instead, you would train them in what your process is, you would manage them, you would set performance expectations, you'd monitor how they're doing, you would coach and guide them on how to do it more effectively. That's what you need to do on your sales side. Don't abdicate it. Manage them the same way that you manage the operational side of your business. I'm sitting here like with my jaw dropped because I never thought of it that same way we do tend to treat the sales side different than the operational side why do you why do you think that is oftentimes the companies that we're working with were started by people who are experts in what they do so they're technical experts Um, they may be they're just experts in what they know and they're the people who originally were delivering it they were consulting they were fixing it they were building whatever it is that they do and so they're experts in that and they know it and they're very confident in it but they weren't or so they thought thought experts in the sales side and and therefore they feel like oh i'm going to hire a salesperson i'm the expert in the operational side of my business now i'm going to hire somebody who's a salesperson and they'll be the expert in the sales side but the reality is as business owners they actually could not have grown to the size that they are if they didn't know how to sell and so i feel like they sell themselves short a business owner will always be the best salesperson for their business always And so why would you bring in a salesperson and suddenly stop doing what got you to the size that you are today? Well, how do you begin to sort of get out of your head the process? You know, most entrepreneurs, like you said, they're the best salespeople for their business because they have passion and they know it the back of their hand. So it's very easy for them to, while they're talking to a client, while they're working with them to understand their needs to flex in their brain. How do you recommend that the entrepreneur get that out of their head to begin to create the sales processes so they can expand their business? We actually start them when they're onboarding a new salesperson. So they're doing the training of the new salesperson. We encourage them that they should start by defining how did they win some specific opportunities or some good clients that they had. What was the process that they themselves went through? Forget what they might have read in a sales book. 
but talk about what exactly did they do. Because that's the baseline of what has made them successful in sales, whatever it is. Even if, yes, you can read a book and you should have gotten your leads differently, or you should have handled that negotiation differently, or you should have handled that objection differently. You've grown the business to a certain size, so show the salespeople, whoever this person is that you've hired, this is how we did it. And then be flexible enough to let the salesperson say, hey, what if we tried it this way? My recommendation when you've first hired a salesperson is don't automatically let the salesperson come in and change what you've done because what you've done has made you successful. But also be open to trying some suggestions they have to see should we flex, to use your word, and add that aspect into the process. And then if it's not working, we can go back and say, you know what? We tried that. doesn't seem to be working in our business. So let's go back to what I've done that has been successful. Okay. So I'm, I'm thinking through the whole flexing, the idea of getting your sales, per- you creating this onboarding doc. I love onboarding documents. So you're saying that you're, you start with a client with, when you onboard with KLA Group. One of the things that you do is you say, okay, let's talk about how you won your clients. What did you do? What if the entrepreneur can't figure out what they did? They'll go, well, I walked in and I sold them. <laughs> Are there some questions that my listeners can begin to ask themselves to help them get it out of their head onto oh, paper? definitely. Yes, that's a great thing. Let's ask the right questions. Okay, so start with how did I find this client? And one of my favorite ways to help bring you back into that whole sales scenario is to go get a quote or a proposal that you gave to a client who's in your sweet spot. It's exactly the type of client you want. Look at that proposal and then ask yourself, how did I get them? What were, they, what were their needs or their requirements? How did I uncover those? How many meetings did it take? What were the types of objections that I encountered? And then how did I respond to them? Right. Yeah, that's, and, that's an important part. <laughs> exactly. And, and why did they buy from me? Okay, so now you're starting to put yourself back into that scenario and you're seeing what were the steps that I went through. A big one, although it may sound less so, is how many meetings did I have? Because that tells you, oh, if I had only three meetings, now you can say, okay, what did I do in each of those meetings? And it gives you a sense for how long did your process take and what did you do at each step along the way. And then you could ask yourself, what did I do between the meetings? Because there were probably activities. You know, did you do any research? Did you um, look to see who their competitors were and do some competitive research? Did you have to talk with your team to design what your solution was going to be? 
So there's just a few questions you can ask yourself that will help you to figure out, oh, this is the process that I used. I started writing down all the questions <laughs> that that you just riffed off the top of your head because I mean you are Kendra Lee you know who's just awesome at this and I've watched you transform organizations um, from the outside looking in from corporations that I've I've known and I've seen you take them from commodity selling to relationship selling and taking their business you know tripling and quadrupling and, and whatever because they they got their process and I'm writing all these questions down and I'm going Thank God this is being recorded. <laughs> I was going to say, we need to go back and listen again and write them all down. <laughs> so to all my <laughs> listeners out there, um, you know, this show does go to podcast afterwards, and you can get it on iTunes, um, Stitcher, the website, it's all about the com, and now on Spotify. And you can listen to them as often as you want, pause it, write it down, and actually answer the questions. I think that might be a good thing for people to do. Listen to the podcast, answer the, like the first question, how did you find the client, and then write it all down, and then listen to the next question and just kind of pause their way through this. <laughs> well, and here's one thing I would add. Um, a lot of times people are afraid of the blank paper. That's why we do so much around lead generation, because they all say, well, how do I get started? If you're uncertain where to start, any sales training that you take that teaches a sales process, take those basic level steps and use that as your beginning, and then fill in as you answer the question. Okay, and with that, we're going to go out to the national news break. We'll be right back with more from Kendra Lee. If you're just joining us live on iHeartRadio, we are here with Kendra Lee, founder of KLL Group. Her company mission? To consult, train, guide, and do it for you so you too can beat the odds in revenue generation. Not just sales, but we're talking revenue generation and keeping those clients. And Kendra, before the national news break, which, of course, those listening on the podcast, you didn't have to listen to national news. And if you're international, it wouldn't have made sense to you anyway because, you know, it's us U.S. stuff. Um, anyway, <laughs> you said before the break, don't be afraid of the blank paper. And you were expanding on that concept. I tend to think of the blank paper afraidness thing more for writers, but never thought of it as somebody creating new business and doing sales. So they, if we're talking about process, because that's what we were talking about before the break, they often aren't sure what their process is or they're uncomfortable, not confident that the process that they're using is right. And where I was starting to go is that if you've taken any sales training courses or you read a sales book, oftentimes they're based on a fundamental sales process. And it's perfectly fine for you to use whatever they've outlined in that book or in that training course. And then as you answer the questions that I gave before the break, fill in what, you, what you're doing inside that process. So now you're not starting with that blank piece of paper. That's the power of questions, right? It helps you Absolutely. trigger and start. Now, say my listeners have gotten 
all these questions answered and they've created a sales process. What's next? If they're hiring a salesperson, the thing that's next is to share it with the salesperson saying, this is what I've done that's made us successful. If they themselves are just trying to grow their business and they want to continue selling, it's looking at what they have done that was successful and continuing to do that. One of the biggest mistakes that people do when they're uncertain, because remember, sales is not the thing they learn first. They're just like me. I was an accountant before I was a salesperson. I knew accounting, and I knew all the process around it. And, and your listeners know what they started their business to do operationally. So now look at the process that you've documented around a client in your sweet spot that you want more of and look and see how did I do that. These are the steps I need to take for the next one and the next one and the next one. This now is my sales process. And then from there, you can refine it. So it's not a static document. It's something that needs to be a living document? It is, it is living and breathing. Once you get your process down, then what improves is your technique. So you'll get better at how you do lead generation. You'll improve at how you respond to objections. Um, a lot of times, I'm thinking of one client in particular of ours who um, is in this step in his business, and he has some, um, he has two salespeople, but he himself has stepped back into the sales role to try and figure out sales. And for him, what we're finding as we work with him is he's just too direct with clients. So his process is good. He's got it down now. Now he has to change how he's doing the process, how he interacts with clients. So what will happen is you'll start to feel I keep losing at the same point, or they keep coming up with the exact same objection, or I still can't seem to get leads in the door as consistently as I would like, then that's what you need to work on is that one piece in your process. What if you're unwilling to make those changes? Well, then you have to accept that your sales may not be as good as they need to be. And We've had clients like that, too. Um, we see this most frequently in lead generation because I think for many that is the hardest point in the process for them. You know, they can learn um, how to handle objections. They can learn how to respond when somebody wants to negotiate on price, but they can't seem to master doing the lead generation. And, and we'll look and we'll We'll ask them specifically, of the number of leads that you get, how many of them actually convert into the sales process? And if it's a low number, then we'll work with them on, okay, here are the things you need to change so that you can convert a higher amount. If they don't want to, then my response to them is, okay, just means you're always going to need a whole bunch of leads because you're not willing to improve your call follow-up or you're not willing to 
call people who have shown that they're interested because they're reading your emails or they're reading your blog, but you don't want to pick up the phone and call them, okay, just means you've got to do a whole heck of a lot more lead generation. It's interesting that you you said that because I'm getting my mom's condo ready to rent out for a season. And before she passed away, we were having a conversation about it as well. And I said, okay, well, let me get somebody in who can look at it and tell me what I might need to do. This is while she was still alive. And I got the name of somebody that's supposedly this top group to do this. And I made an appointment and he blew me off. Never even called me to say that he wasn't gonna make it. And I sat there waiting for him and he never showed up. I called him back. It took days for him to get back to me after I called him again. We set another appointment and he blew me off again. (laughs) Okay, I wouldn't work with him personally. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, you know, like the first time something happens, you know, anything could happen, right? right? You just don't know. There could be an accident, something, you know, on their calendars got screwed up. But then the second time you begin to say, well, wait a minute. And then when I decided to put it on the market again, the person who had given me the name said, well, you really should deal with these people. They're the best. And I said, well, but they just blew me off. And they're like, really? Seriously? And I said, yeah. So I went with somebody else that returned my phone calls that followed up that has been helping me along the way with the whole process. Exactly right, and that's how people make their decisions. I mean, we all hear people buy from people they like, and they're to a point they buy from people they like, but they buy from the people who follow up and who have listened and are able to meet their needs. That's the bottom line in sales. I mean, your price can't be way out of alignment because they may not be able to afford it, but it's are you being responsive to them and have you done this successfully in the past? Those are key decision factors typically. Now you've written two award winning books, which I have and are dog aired. Um, the first one was Selling Against the Goal, How Corporate Sales Professionals Celebrate the Leads, um, sorry, Generate the Leads They Need. And then your latest book, which is one of my favorites called the sales magnet, how to get more customers without cold calling. Lead generation is so a mysterious process, shall we say, to most people. Is it really quite so mysterious? Again, I think it's a process because the accountant in me turns everything into a repeatable process because that's the easiest thing to do. Um, I don't think it's mysterious, but it requires a lot of follow-up. And in the book, I talk about three primary strategies you can use. Personal, where what you're doing feels very personal to each contact on your list. Um, I just blanked. Personal. Collaborative. (laughs) (laughs) I talk about this all the time. Blank. Collaborative, where you're collaborating with someone else, and then digital, where you're doing things on the web, where you can be found. And what I tell people is start with those things that feel most comfortable to you, because you're more likely to do them, and then 
choose of those that are most comfortable to you the ones that you think your clients will respond to and, or your prospects. And great example that I always use is construction. Um, you know, email campaigns are one of the cores of lead generation today, email and calling. And email is a personal attraction strategy because it goes out and it feels as if you sent an email to me and you may actually have sent the email to 100 people that are just like me, but it felt like it was sent to me if it's written correctly. Well, in construction, you know, in the mid-sized companies, those people are out on projects all the time. Email is not the most effective way to try and reach a business owner of a construction company or a landscape company, because we have a landscape client as well. Okay, and hold that thought. We'll be right back with more with Kendra Lee. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author, Laura Stewart. Kendra, you were talking about some examples from your, your clients with landscaping and construction and lead generation. So let's, let's continue that conversation. Yes, what I was saying is that you want to choose the attraction strategies that are comfortable to you, and within those, choose the ones that will work for your clients. And my example was in construction and landscaping, those business owners are out in the field on their projects or overseeing the projects. So to run a lead generation campaign that's email to them is not going to be effective even if it feels comfortable to you. So you want to choose an attraction strategy that will feel comfortable to you as well as be one that people can recognize and receive. And there are 15 different ones that I talk about in the book. So there's lots that you can do for lead generation. But it's consistency that builds those leads for you. Laura, do you feel this theme going on, follow-up and consistency? I do, and I I can hear your voice (laughs) way back in the day when you were coaching me, and it was like, oh, yeah, that consistency thing. You know, I was great with it on my own and with my the deliverable staff, but whenever I tried to bring a salesperson on, I wasn't consistent with them as well. Right. It, and it is the foundation of sales, the consistency and the follow-up with clients and with your team if you're going to be successful in sales. And I think that's what, what I keep hearing, and I thinking about is all those questions you did at the beginning of the show to help people create their sales process if you understand your sales process then it sounds like you build the consistency in because you know the process exactly yeah once you've defined it and you put it down on your piece of paper now or in your laptop but now you know this is what you should do each time you have an opportunity. And it doesn't matter if the opportunity came in from your website, it was a Google ad, it was an email campaign, it was a referral, somebody you met in a networking group. That's the process you're going to follow every single time. Now, you're an entrepreneur yourself. You created KLA Group and you've grown it to be a national 
presence as far as I'm, I'm concerned with a number of your clients all over the, the country. And do you have any international clients? Absolutely. Yes, we have done training in 47 different countries. Have you noticed any differences with sales or lead generation based on the countries? Yes. Internationally, you definitely need to take into consideration your clients and what is the appropriate way to approach them. Um, in Asia, it's, uh, you, you are a bit more formal than we are in the United States. Interestingly, in Europe, there is more formality as, as well. And then there are laws, if you are doing email, that you have to follow because each country has different um, spam laws, and so you have to be aware of what your local laws are. Still at its foundation, though, it is working to create that personal relationship with someone it's just a matter of how you may approach them based on where you are. Okay, so, so let's expand on that a little bit. How you approach them based on where you are. It sounds right. like you're, you're just talking about geographically, but I think it's, you mean, you may be talking even more, right? It can be geographic. So I'll use China as an example. Um, and actually, it's the same is true in Japan. You have to be very aware of what your role is. So I, as a business owner, can approach another business owner, and it is considered um, okay, good business practice. If I am a lower-level staff person, when I approach another business owner, which you absolutely can do, there's much more respect. Uh, an example I would give you is in North America, Canada as well as the U.S., we'll send emails with a person's first name, whether we know them or we don't, and that's just fine. In Asia, in Latin America, and actually in parts of Europe, you would not do that. You still have to use a formal form of address. In the U.S., if you're approaching the military, you need to use their rank. And darn well better get the right rank, too, when you yeah. do it. <laughs> um, so there are subtle cultural differences. Now, any of your people, any of your listeners who are in those countries, they're probably not in their head going, yep, I, that's right, that's right, I can't do those things. So they're already aware that they have to take their culture into consideration. What I would say is don't let that stop you from doing lead generation or selling. That's the mistake that I've seen when we've trained in Asia it becomes the excuse of the salesperson to say, okay, I can't sell to that business owner because I'm not the business owner. Either set up your sales process to accommodate that, which then puts a heck of a lot of pressure on the business owner, or find a way to help your salesperson get in at that higher level 
without you having to be the one that does it every single time. I have listeners in over 60 countries. So that this conversation has got me thinking in a lot of different ways. But something you just said made me think it a, a little differently. Not just understanding the culture of the country, but we also have to understand the culture of the organization. Yes. That's here, exactly right. Here in the U.S., it, it's all over the map. Yes. Yes. Um, and a lot of times a sales, I don't know that it's the salesperson, it's, it becomes an excuse. I can't do this because you, Mr. Business Owner, said you always want to do it. Um, and now they're failing. So I can't deliver the proposal because you feel you need to be the one to go in and explain all the technical ins and outs. And I use technical broadly because the landscaper can come in and have to explain that, you know, the design, the the managed service provider could come in and have to explain, here's how we support. But at some point, you've got to trust in your salesperson that they can do that, and you have to push your salesperson to go do it and, and let them make some mistakes, but that's the only way that your business will grow. If you have to be in the middle of it every single time, your business can't grow. But going back to what you said at the beginning of the show, if you let the salesperson make the mistake, you can't just abdicate. You you have to right. go that back in and then talk to them and tie it back to the process and yes. help them not do that again. Yes, and my tip that I would give to listeners, if you're, if you're a business owner and you're trying to figure out how do I hire a salesperson to make them successful or how do I improve my salesperson, one of the best strategies is to shadow them. Either go with them on sales calls, go with them while they're um, cold calling, listen in on their phone calls, but do it from a backseat position. Don't allow the prospect to direct all of the questions to you, and don't you take over the conversation. Let the salesperson lead it, and then afterwards, coach the salesperson on what you would change. Okay. So shadowing is a very powerful tool that helps you to avoid abdication and gives you the opportunity to coach. I love that. And, and then also give allowances for changes in personality, your personality versus the salesperson's. They yes. may not say it the exact same way, but is if, it, if it works, it works. Yeah, which um, is the hardest thing as a business owner because you want them to say it precisely one way, but they won't. <laughs> <laughs> Kendra, I want to make sure you have a chance because people want to know how to reach out to you. How do people reach out to you if they have questions and um, the great resources I know you have? I'd say the best way to reach us is just to go to our website, klagroup.com, and you can, if you want to set up a call, you can do that through our Contact Us, or as Laura mentioned, we have a ton of free resources out there on lead generation and sales. I would say go get some of those. And that, once again, your website? klagroup.com. I love it. And you, 
if you get, if somebody subscribes on your website and gets on your email list, you also have Coffee with Kendra's where they can ask you any question. They, you have amazing live resources <laughs> that you yes, do with people. We have the Coffee with Kendra that we run quarterly based on what we're seeing going on in the industry that you need to know about. And we have our newsletter, a weekly sales tip. I also have a number of ebooks around um, email prospecting and lead generation. And right now, um, we we also have special ebooks that come and go. And they're going to have to find all those resources on your website. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad we did it. Me too. And remember, everybody, the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. Hug someone you love. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 